I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Reproducer. Hello, I'm Mark Jeeves. And I'm Jenny Nelson. Thank you for clicking on another episode of Reproducer, uh, the podcast series that looks at the magical, mystical role of the radio producer, one of the few jobs that even our mums don't understand, no matter how many times we explain it to them. Now, in this episode, we're delighted to welcome the managing director of one of the most creative and innovative independent production houses. Uh, they make content for the BBC, for Audible, and for Spotify, to name a few. The company is Reduced Listening, and our guest is Joby Waldman. It was like the care and attention of the whole team, which I think becomes a kind of alchemy. And it was a real sort of privilege and definitely a career highlight. How could we use field recordings and actors and music and archive to really make the storytelling pop? When it comes to managing talent, it's really important to remember why they have been invited to do the gig and like respect them for it. So in this conversation, Joby tells us what he looks for when he's hiring new producers, tells us about some of Reduced Listening's upcoming projects, and he talks about execing Decode, the award-winning series where they do a deep dive on rap albums one track at a time. It's like the UK version of Dissect. He gives us some really, really interesting pitching tips top tips for pitching to both BBC networks and platforms like Spotify. And he gives his advice for aspiring producers and advice to his younger self as well. All that and more. But we started off by asking Joby to tell us about Reduced Listening, how and why it was founded and what its vision and ethos are. Reduced Listening was actually founded by Peter Meanwell and Barney Roundtree. It was, uh, Reduced Listening was founded in order to make documentaries initially as a label for documentary makers. And it became a company really when we won Late Junction for BBC Radio 3. That was a show um, and is a show which broadcasts experimental music, jazz, world musics. And it is a Radio 3 show, which at the time was on three nights a week. So to produce that, we needed a team but we also, as well as Late Junction, we wanted to make culture radio. And that would take the form of 
podcasts. Uh, we started working with art institutions like Serpentine and Art Angel quite early on, uh, cultural organizations which just value sound. And what we wanted to do through Late Junction and through the other arts podcasts that we worked on was find a way to bring the craft of audio. Um, so that's treating sound as art. We might be talking about art and music, but we wanted to bring a, a, a very creative and crafted aesthetic to all the productions that we made. And so we kind of built from there doing arts documentaries for other BBC networks, Radio 3, Radio 4, World Service, um, as well as some journalism. Um, the company's always been driven editorially by its members. And um, quite early on in the company's journey, we felt strongly that we wanted to introduce a relatively democratic approach. And so questioning some of the hierarchical structures that we often get in radio and testing the idea of decision-making needing to be top-down. So we've really tried to disperse decision-making within the company. And as the company's grown, we've developed, often driven by the, the interests of the producers. I'm an audio drama producer, so we've, we've built audio drama over the time. And as we've gone along, we've developed the vision and the values for the company. And this is something which you kind of do periodically. You ask yourself as as a director and within the director team what is it that we stand for what are our values what do we want to achieve in the world um so our vision for the company is great audio a fairer world deeper listening and you know that's the idealistic vision that that we we would love to have that impact through the shows that we make it's perhaps quite lofty um but it's been quite useful to to have that because whilst there's a the social imperative often in the arts programs we make, as we've grown with that vision, we've been able to then, with some degree of conviction, pitch for programs outside of the arts, but which also connect with a social imperative. So a couple of the shows in the last year that we've been able to do that with include Bully Amplified, which is a experimental drama podcast with Futures Theatre, where we interview women and non-binary people from underrepresented um, or marginalized communities and ask writers to uh, craft a narrative around their these interviews um, and we're really excited about a project coming up called pod save the uk which is a commission from crooked media in the states the company behind pod save america um, and that's a show that's going to launch in april and we're going to be trying to bring some new ideas to the mess that is our political system with the help of Nish Kumar and friends. And that's a current affairs podcast. But yeah, we've been able to expand into this with this strong conviction about greater equity and um, having a collaborative spirit. That's amazing. And I think I think it's so worthwhile to have that kind of you know, built in ethos. And when you look at on your website at all the projects and even, you know, things like curated playlists, there they do all seem to fall under that very thought provoking description of, of, as you say, kind of deeper listening. 
I'm gonna uh, we're gonna ask about pitching uh, a little later because I'm I'd love to get your kind of top tips for for pitching new ideas. But um, sticking with the role of the producer at Reduced Listening, like what are you what traits or qualities do you look for when you are hiring producers? I am I know it's obviously very project dependent, but if you can kind of if there overall are traits that you you deem necessary or you know really important for for the company passion and uh commitment to the ideas and stories which are of interest uh to the producer it's really important for producers to, to be really motivated by the stories that they want to tell or the music that they want to platform um as we know radio and podcasting isn't like the most financially lucrative of careers you know if you want to if you want to make money then you know there's probably other industries where you can do that more reliably although i think that is changing which is a good thing but you know it's hard work and the thing that that gets people through the the hard work and through the you know sometimes late nights or the challenging questions that we we face sometimes is just that that commitment to the idea or the music so we look for producers with passion we look for people who are willing to be curious and open-minded both about subject matter and also about ways of working yeah we try to work in a really inclusive way which means like looking beyond young producers or emerging producers who might like share our reference points we're really interested in and think that audio is enriched by you know a diversity of voices so uh, we 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 look for people who actually think differently to us, and but we look for people who share our values: creativity, inclusion, professionalism, being visionary. We look for producers who who want to see things improve, um, and again, it's it's idealistic. But we're not looking to simply reflect the world as it is. We're looking to open windows to new worlds for the listeners, and so we want to work with producers who can see different ways of doing things and just distilling down about the role of a producer a question that we always ask our guests is what does a producer actually do and obviously i know it depends on if it's drama or a documentary or a you know live music show but how would you define the mm. role yes there are several kinds of audio producer like whether you work in music radio documentary audio drama live radio there are different skills involved. I've been really lucky to work across all of those areas. Um, and that's like kept things really interesting for me and like, allowed me to follow my curiosity. Um, there's a few key skills though, which run across all of these genres. I'd say one is creating a coalition. So as a producer, you're generally at the center of a production. So there might be others involved, an exec producer, a presenter, maybe an assistant producer, the client, but you're likely to be the one who has the most time assigned for a production and it's ultimately your job to deliver the content um, and so part of that is forming these connections and how to do that um, I think is to be really clear about what your vision is for the show what your intention is talk about yourself your feelings why you care about the subject um, wear your heart on your sleeve and then the flip side of that coin is to allow space once you've shared your intention, allow space for the specialists to do their bit. So if it's a presenter, it's then going to be their views and their writing. Or if it's a sound designer, allowing space 
for them to bring their ideas to the table. Some other qualities um, that a producer would have is being organized, being reliable. So like delivering when you say you're going to deliver, communicating if that's going to change. And again, yeah, being open to different ways of working, different ways of thinking. There's two fascinating things come out of what you just said. One is that uh, Pod Save America is one of the greatest things in the world. So the fact that you can do a UK version is brilliant. That's fantastic. Uh, the second is the uh, the ethos of the company that you're building. So tell us about how you started in, in this whole crazy world and, and what's led you to start to think in the way that you do. So I started out doing student radio and student radio, like any kind of internet radio really, is just a brilliant opportunity to try things out. It's completely non-commercial. You're not doing it to get paid. And there's no one really looking over your shoulder to make sure that you do it in a particular way. The stakes are low. And that was really important for me because it just allowed me to, again, like follow my curiosity, like where is the excitement? Where is the interest? Like what is that little nugget which excites me that then if I can share that, it might excite someone else. And that was really addictive doing that in student radio. Um, and I then did a bit of community radio and then I got a job as a junior researcher at something else, um, which is now Sony Music Entertainment. And um, I was really fortunate there to be supported to continue following my curiosity. And there I was able to pursue stories and ideas. I started out as a music producer making music shows for the BBC and British Airways. I always just sought to do things in a in an interesting way and to to play with sound as a dj as a um i kind of started out as a dj just spinning records in clubs and then on the radio and that's all about like juxtaposing ideas really and sounds and so i brought that sensibility into making music radio and then brought that into making factual documentaries but in the production of these shows trying to get beyond just the factual laying out of ideas and facts, trying to juxtapose the ideas uh, in a sonically engaging way and trying to use sound as much as possible. And then I got into audio drama from that and again, kind of bought some of the documentary techniques and like use of field recordings, use of non-actors as voices and like merging of styles and so i started making audio drama for radio three and radio four and then doing some audio drama podcasts and that was really fun because i think often when you're telling factual stories there's a real pressure to get it right to do justice to the subject of the program whereas if you're doing audio drama it's all bullshit like (laughs) none of it's true (laughs) So you can really play with how you want to play. It kind of gives you creative license to tweak uh, scripts or, you know, direct actors in a way that you want to hear it. I've been very, very, very fortunate in my career to be able to work with some really fantastic thinkers, presenters, writers, and generally it's been about empowering them and finding a way to platform and yeah condense and craft their ideas into uh, radio shaped things so you've mentioned uh, some of the uh, great people that you work with who were some of the people that mentored you along the way who are some of the people who have given you this this uh, yeah this great feel 
And some of the people who mentored me um, include Jez Nelson, who founded something else. Uh, as I worked with him a lot as a presenter of the Radio 3 show, Jazz on 3. So I produced that show for many years and I learned a lot from him about how to write a script and uh, how to keep things creative on a weekly music strand. Another mentor was Piers Plowright, uh, the esteemed documentary and drama producer who sadly passed away last year. Um, he is a pioneer in um, using sound creatively. He was so inspiring. He talked a lot about embracing ambiguity, so allowing space for ideas, not filling the airwaves with a string of facts, but again, looking for sonic metaphors. Uh, and he was just a, a lovely, a generous man. A mentor for me in radio drama has been Polly Thomas, who is a very experienced audio drama producer, also really interested in uh, working in an experimental way, changing things up, getting out of the studio, working with writers in a interactive way. In audio drama, there's been a long tradition of writer creates a script and then producer takes those words and turns it into sound. What Polly taught me is about how to work with a writer in a collaborative way to embed sound within the idea from the beginning so that what the writer creates is actually driven by an interest in creative use of sound. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Reproducer. I remember JB, we, you and I, our paths crossed a little bit when we were both at something else working on mm. completely different projects. And I remember you always seemed to be working on very interesting Radio 4 documentaries, or it might have been, you might have been doing bits at 3 and bits at Radio 4 as well. Mm. And when you look back at, at specific shows, documentaries, dramas you've made over the years, are there any that you're particularly proud of at how they turned out? So there's a couple of shows that really stick in my mind uh, that I'm very proud of. Um, there's a arts documentary I made uh, about the painter Jean-Michel Basquiat, and it was presented by the poet Benjamin Zephaniah, um, and it was called Decoding Basquiat, looking at the the text which Basquiat would use generously on his canvases in an abstract way. And so we kind of decided to bring a sort of poetic interpretation to his paintings 
So to do that show, we went over to New York where Basquiat worked as a street artist in the early 80s and then interviewed some very interesting and inspiring people and then brought the material back, cut it together. And the opening sequence of that program was was one of those areas where I felt like I was able to like play in a creative way. So I took the different interviews and I overlaid them on top of each other. So there's like words upon words, which is what Basquiat did uh, with the sort of music bed, which again, Basquiat was like a massive music fan. And so what we heard as a listener is a kind of overlapping impressions of Basquiat from different people who knew him, which was kind of confusing and distracting and kind of beguiling. And in fact, as a reviewer who covered it for Time Out said, a bit annoying um, because you can't hear it all. But again, that's the point. That is life that like it doesn't all make sense. Um, so that was really satisfying to hear that come together. Um, and it was a joy working with Benjamin. Another show that I'm really proud of is an audio drama called Ghosts of Heathrow. And um, that's a kind of documentary style that I developed with the writer Sebastian Bunchkevich, um, where we would go and follow the trail of some kind of urban myth and find charismatic, non-professional actors. In other words, like normal people who are good at telling stories, um, who had some understanding or who had heard of, of the urban myth that we were following. So in this instance, Heathrow has a disproportionate number of ghost stories, which include the airport, but actually predate the airport. The whole area around Heathrow is packed with ghost stories. And it turns out that um, the reason for this is because it's like a staging post between London and Bath, which dates back centuries. And actually lots of wrongans would hang out there, <laughs> highwaymen, and there was lots of robberies and lots of bad right. stuff that happened around Heathrow way before the airport came along. Um, but at the same time, as a ghost, there would probably be nowhere more interesting to be than an ephemeral liminal space like an airport where you're not really one place or another. So for Ghosts of Heathrow, Sebastian and I went to the airport, went to the pubs around the airport, went to, there was an activist camp of people who were campaigning against the third runway. And we spoke to people and asked them about the ghosts that they had seen or the ghost stories that they had heard, all with like aircrafts thundering overhead. So that was technically kind of complex to record, although sometimes we obviously just use that stuff. Um, we also had this incredible experience in a pub where we hired a ghost hunter to come and do some, some kind of, um, not an exorcism, but we hired a ghost hunter to come to this pub and uh, use their highly sophisticated technology to gauge the ghosts to communicate with the ghosts so we basically interviewed some ghosts <laughs> for this show <laughs> so we had all of this material and then the material comes away and i kind of did some editing and sort of basically just pulled out the best bits and then like the really hard part of that is then giving it to sebastian and for sebastian as a writer to to craft a linear narrative around that material was really he did an absolutely incredible job uh to to kind of make sense of it all we kind of threw everything at it but i'm really proud of it 
like several years on, I think it stands up. And as exec producer, you've worked on Decode, the many, many, many award-winning phenomenal series for, for Spotify. So what was that like to work on as, as exec producer? Um, yeah, so Decode was like a dream that appeared in the very early days of the pandemic. During the first lockdown, I got a call from Spotify who was wanting to do a interpretation of Dissect, which is a long-running American hip-hop analysis podcast where an album is deconstructed one track at a time. Um, and they've covered Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West and Lauren Hill. And it's done in a certain way, but they Spotify wanted a British interpretation, a British version, which had its own style. And so they asked us and several companies to come up with some ideas of how to do that. And it was an incredible brief to have as a someone who'd kind of grown up DJing hip hop and then developed lots of music analysis skills through making Radio 3 programs. And it's like, oh my God, I can actually maybe bring those together. Um, so we set out to think what would a British version sound like? And there's a couple of things that we came up with. Um, one is use of sound. Like how could we use field recordings and actors and music, like so original music um, and archive to really make the storytelling pop. Um, Dissect itself is brilliant. What Cole Cushion has done is incredible, um, but it is often like literally dry speech and then clips of track. But we, we wanted it to have a, a composed and dynamic sound. So we thought of all the different sounds that we could use as well as the script. The other thing was the presenter. So we wanted someone who could bring some humour and also someone with lived experience of the music. Kayo Chingoni, the poet, was an amazing find because he grew up listening to hip hop and emceeing and he is also a poetry scholar so he was really able to bring a very deep engagement to the source material and as we know you know hip-hop is a form of poetry and the albums that we were looking at contained incredibly sophisticated language and production and so with decode what we do is we pull all of that apart we get right into the nitty-gritty of the musicology the lyricism the production itself and we were able to do this quite comprehensively because we brought in a broad team so we employed four specialist researchers a cultural historian a grime journalist a musicologist and an archive researcher so with the album in question each had this kind of in-depth reading it meant that on the team we had people who really understood and also brought different lived experiences and cultural perspectives to the material. It was an iterative process so that um, it wasn't just one person's perspective. It was a group of specialists who really love and care about the music um, who all got together. And I think that's what gives it the kind of the range of ideas and and I think, I hope you can hear the passion in it as well. So yeah, all of that. I mean, it, the, the, it was like the care and attention of the whole team, which I think becomes a kind of alchemy. And it was a real sort of privilege and definitely a career highlight. 
to oversee it. It's top tip time, Joby. This is where we ask for your top tips on various bits and pieces. Uh, The first is pitching, because, of course, your Mm. company will be pitching uh, organisations like the BBC, the independent Mm. uh, broadcasters as well, like Spotify. What are your top pitching tips? So tip number one is read between the lines of the brief. Work out what it is that the commissioner really wants, what their strategic aims might be. It will probably be there in the brief, but it it might not be super clear. So just try and, you know, it's like when you see an exam question, like read it, read the whole thing before you start writing. So know what they want. At the same time, know what you want. Start with your curiosity. Pursue the ideas that really matter to you. In a way, like the best ideas will come to you outside of a commissioning round or a particular opportunity. If you can build into your life space for pursuing your own creative curiosity think of it like breadcrumbs that each little nugget of excitement that you get around a piece of music or an idea each time you feel that follow it pursue it don't you don't even necessarily need to understand it just trust it and you know follow your curiosity talk about your ideas before you pitch them to the commissioner, talk about them to your friends or your colleagues. If you're lucky, you'll have a really experienced exec producer that you can workshop ideas with. But it's also beneficial to talk to people who don't have any industry expertise. You know, your friend in the pub, your sibling, your children. Tell them what it's about. And by doing that, you create a discipline, you get more fluent with the idea and you will hear as you are talking about it where the holes are Mm. where you know the person's face goes a little bit blank and they start gazing into the distance and that will help you fill those holes or refocus the idea and then when you come to write it up there are a few things which i look for why now what's your approach what will we hear it's really interesting how many proposals come through which are kind of like an abstract idea or a scene, you know, a scene or an event or something which is interesting, but it's not clear to the reader what the listener will hear. So be clear about that. Another thing which is good to be clear about is why you? Like, what do you have in connection to this idea? Either it might be you, it might be the company that you work for, it might be the presenter that you're working with, but it's really important to have an angle. And often that it angle is based on the human behind it. And so don't be obscure about that. Like really foreground what what it is that you or your team has over the competition. Yeah. Good advice. And right at the top of the show when you we asked you to sort of try to give us your view of what a producer does one of the big things that came out was giving people space so in that context what what are your top tips for managing talent because that's also a big part of what a producer does when it comes to managing talent it's really important to remember why they have been invited to do the gig and like respect them for it because it can be challenging like very often presenters or actors may not know what it is that you're trying to achieve or maybe very busy and just have their own agenda. So 
it's important to remember why you've asked them to do it and respect them for that. Um, and again, give them space to be themselves. It's also important to talk about your intentions. Again, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Now, you might need to do that in quite a kind of like agile and concise way. But if you are giving them notes or feedback, it's much more helpful for them to know what overall you're trying to achieve rather than giving them line readings, perhaps, which in audio drama is a no-no, which I discovered the hard way. So, you know, micromanagement of script readings is likely to be less successful than getting across the bigger picture and the vision. Getting off script, in most cases, it's like, yeah, how to bring positivity and dynamism into a recording. It might be about giving them material to bounce off. And yeah, you know, like bring positivity, bring biscuits, bring biscuits into the studio. Um, Very good point. Very good point. Um, Okay. And so from top tips to advice, uh, and this is kind of a twofold thing. So um, I'd love to know advice that you would give aspiring producers. So people who are right at the start of their kind of producer career. And this may or may not be similar to advice that you would give to your younger self at the start of your career. Have fun like enjoy the work um when we start out doing uh radio like before you even get to making something professionally we often get to like experiment yeah be that through internet radio student radio hospital radio and there is this kind of lightness of the adventure of that of the excitement of doing something because you want to because it's interesting and i think like if you can bring that into your professional career that will serve you really well it will just keep you energized i think when i started out in a professional role i was terrified a lot of the time i was really scared of like of getting things wrong and of not understanding the culture in the office like when i first started working in office i found it really intimidating and i was really worried about just getting things wrong and somehow that i didn't understand how things worked and it's important to bring some humility to the workplace and yeah be open and and learn don't assume that you know everything but try and keep that space for excitement and levity and and joy again like radio and podcasting needs to be uh, rigorous and it needs to be fact-checked but also it's almost always going to be some form of entertainment so it's important to enjoy it. It's important to be entertained yourself and to help the presenters, the talent to be entertained. Another piece of advice that I would give is to keep reinventing and keep asking yourself what next, to try different things out, to work in different genres. It's possible to become an expert within a certain area and get comfortable there. And that's fine. Some people do that and they just stay in one particular genre throughout their careers. Um, personally, I've really been enriched by being able to move between different styles of radio and podcasting and draw on lessons from one and bring them into another. And it's just kept things really interesting. Yeah. Take challenges, take on responsibility. Like at a certain point, you'll get an opportunity to step back from producing and start helping other people, managing people in a, one way or another. Maybe that'll be exec producing air program. Try it out. 
it won't be comfortable. You'll probably find it very uncomfortable to begin with, but it's important to make yourself feel uncomfortable. Um, it's important to try new things. And also it's important to support the next generation of producers and to make space and, you know, particularly to make space for producers who um, don't share all the same sort of cultural values and life experiences that you do. Just I'm interested, are there any dream shows or dream presenters that you haven't yet worked with that you would like to? There's a couple of people that I would love to do shows with. One is Chuck D from Public Enemy. Um, wow. Who's a... That'd be great. Yeah. He uh, is such a pioneer of hip-hop and of bringing ideas and lightness, like uncompromising social commentary with maximum entertainment value. Also, the artist, the Astor Gates um, from Chicago, is a fascinating polymath um, who works across like sculpture, painting, and social projects. He like buys banks and turns them into community centers and calls it art. Um, so yeah, I've always wanted to do something with him, but he's too busy like buying banks and yeah. flying around the world. So who else? Oh, Björk would love to make a radio program with Björk. Um, she's just created this new series about her own work, which is very good. Um, it's a podcast series. I think there are few artists who could do such self reflection and it'd be interesting but um, the podcast series that she released last year involves taking each of her albums and analysing them as a way of charting her career. And she's such an interesting person. She's got such a beautiful voice and an intriguing way of seeing the world. That actually leads on to another question we were hoping to ask about what do you love listening to? Like mm. anything recently that's really, that you've been telling people about, you know, that's a real must listen. So in documentary Lights Out, on Radio 4, which is a Falling Tree produced series, like looking at the complexity of life behind the headlines. So it's the stories of our times told in a very thoughtful and non-didactic way, where as a listener, we're not told what to think. We hear from different voices and it complicates things. Um, we Were Three from Serial and the New York Times. It's a three-part series about the impact of coronavirus on a Los Angeles family that came out last year. Wild Boys, which is a podcast series um, about these uh, two kids who came out of the bush in British Columbia. It's excellent storytelling. Uh, yeah, Music Radio, Benji B on Radio 1, Jam Supernova, Giles Peterson, Six Music. Um, K63 is an audio drama from Gimlet which is brilliant because it's so simple. It's, it's basically a conversation spread across eight episodes. It is very, very good. Um, so yeah, K-63. Like A-list, A-list actors yes. in it. And it's got, yeah, I think it's got um, Julianne Moore and Oscar right. Isaac. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, simple scripts, two A-list Hollywood actors. It's brilliant. Amazing. And the final question that we ask, we finish off with every podcast is if you could name, looking back at your career, an OMG moment. We also ask for an FFS moment, but I don't know. <laughs> you may not wish to share that. But yeah, anything that you think, like, pinch um, me. So, oh, okay. Like, kind of, like, I can't believe I'm here doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was I was quite lucky in that like I when I'd been working in professional radio for a month, I was happening to go and visit my sister who was living in Havana studying for a year. And I wanted to do a bit of just experimenting, record some voices. And um, I asked her if she knew any musicians that we could interview. And she managed to hook me up with um, all the members of the Buena Vista Social Club um, while they were still alive. This was a while ago. And so I met and I went to Ruben Gonzalez's house and and recorded him playing the piano. And that was when, I, wow. yeah, I'd been like, I was at that time, I was like a junior researcher. And it was like, what? This is happened. Yeah, that was an OMG moment. Amazing. I've still got that on mini disc. Um, <laughs> FFS. I mean, the one that I still think about is the is the line reading story so like no one had ever told me because i i didn't like study drama or anything i started doing audio drama just in a kind of impulsive way out of doing documentaries and in documentaries we do give line readings if someone's not like hitting a particular script you tell them how to read it sometimes like it's not a kind of like taboo but it turns out in audio drama like you just you don't do that so it was on the show ghosts of heathrow and the central character was played by Paul McGann of like Doctor Who and um, with Nail and I fame. And um, like, he's a very nice, a very interesting man who has actually quite a bit of experiences with the, uh, the cosmic and the supernatural and has seen ghosts. And so was keen to do the show. Yeah. It was very generous with his time. And there was a scene which he wasn't quite, in my opinion, as a junior radio drama director nailing. And I just like, well, just say it like this. And he, he looked at me and he just laughed. Um, and I was like, Oh, that I wasn't supposed to do that. Was I? Um, but yeah, luckily he, 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 he was gracious and, uh, uh compassionate and, and, you know, we, we carried on, but yeah, that's how it is. You know, you, you, you make mistakes and, and you learn stuff. Read producer. What I love about that is there is so much you learn on the job. Yeah. Even if you'd gone on various, you know, radio drama training courses or yeah. what have you, there's still so much that you can only ever learn on the job. Even if he probably cringes when he looks back at that, you know, that's the way to learn, isn't it? No, it is. It is. And sometimes the days when you walk away going, I have made the worst it's been the worst day ever i've made the worst mistake i've in his case giving a famous actor their line which i have done and, <laughs> and which is similar similar response uh, actually those are the days that they're kind of the best days because you will always i mean you'll never do it again but you'll always come out with some you know a different way of dealing with talent and it's just i think it's just you're right on the job learning is brilliant and I loved hearing more about Reduce Listening and just so impressive their vision, that great audio, A Fairer World, Deeper Listening. And just how there seems to be a real consideration about the projects they take on. Very similar, actually, to Karen Pearson, our first guest in the series from Folded Wing, to when she told us about the sort of ethos about all of the shows and projects they take on. There's a real care. There has to be a real passion behind each of the projects, um, which is as it should be really yeah and their sound design is extraordinary mm. the way that the, the way that you know using the sonic palette to 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 help tell a story i think that's absolutely wonderful and something that you know is is kind of a little bit lost at the moment so the more of that 
the better. Uh, now, if you enjoyed that chat with Joe, we do remember there are many other fascinating radio producers to listen to in the podcast. People like Adele Cross, the producer of the One Extra Breakfast Show, or Sarah Taylor, a producer for the legendary Radio 4 show Desert Island Discs. All of these and many more are available wherever you get your podcasts from, and you can make it even easier by following or subscribing to the podcast. Then you'll find out when we drop new ones. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Reproducer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.